the desire for honor and glory set men on fire. Cicero. Hello everyone, welcome to episode 11 of Commoners Honing All Disciplines podcast, Limitations of Stoicism. So today we're going to talk about Stoicism, which is a very popular topic in self-improvement circles and just the self-improvement niche in general. Stoicism is very prominent and we're going to analyze that. We're going to talk about what is Stoicism, uh, a little bit of history, and then we're going to go into uh, maybe some limitations of Stoicism. Maybe it's not all it's cracked up to be and we're going to cover all that yeah like imagine you were some emotionalist robot for your whole life controlling literally every single thing you did with zero passion and zero drive you just simply did things because they were the most beneficial yeah i definitely want to go through life like that like that sounds so exciting (laughs) man i definitely want to go through cold and calculated making every single decision based on not passion but like essentially pure logic and reason and waiting like yeah i definitely want to do that man it sounds like such a good idea i feel like i'll be such like a fun i'll be such a fun guy at parties i'll be such a good human being right it's like you know humans have emotions it's almost as if those those don't matter right if you're a man you know you don't need emotions those are are gay dude emotions are gay and cringe why do you emotions are absolutely gay i don't get invited (laughs) to parties by the way yeah i don't have any friends but uh emotions <laughs> suck guys don't they it's so they easy do. to wake up at 4 a.m when no one literally no one wants to talk to you throughout the day or at night <laughs> it's so easy to do that bro <laughs> obviously, literally me <laughs> obviously we're just messing around a little bit here and being a bit extremist in the sense of like oh stoicism is evil thing it's not it's not but the problem is when people don't know what the hell to do with their lives and they said they think they get a solution, they go balls to the wall with said solution. And guess what? It helps them in it temporarily, but long term, if they buy into anything too much, chances are it's not going to work for them, right? Like they're living. Yeah, life everything's about balance. And they're, and self improvement is the idea. Like I'm, I have a strategy in life that's not working, so I need to do things to improve that strategy. Okay. So let's say you were very. Um, undisciplined unmotivated individual okay cool you you started stoicism to help have more control over your emotions to be less apathetic and to be disciplined that's great but you're now limiting yourself to a a a type of person right you're limiting yourself to something that may not even work or be compatible with your character and that's fine because you're trying to find a new strategy but if you buy into it and it's not working and it's continually not working and you continue to do it and you know nothing's really working for you why why or alternatively if you just buy into it because you just want a personality type which is like being vegan it's like the male version of being vegan like oh, i'm going to be i'm going to be stoic because it's like i literally have nothing else going for me because i'm so boring so i may as well be a stoic robot and it's like dude who who are you fooling who are you fooling you're not fooling anyone that's not cool that's boring no, you don't have to be this super overly aggressive, um, extravagant, uh, eccentric, um, extroverted, like super mega Chad. Well, Chad in quotations here, because like that's not necessarily what makes it someone a Chad, but like 
there is limitations to this and that's really what we want to get into right you you cannot you cannot take stoicism as if it's going to be your new religion because it's not it's just a way no. to go through life it's not really it was never even meant to be a religion in itself it's it was just a set of um ethics and physics for how the the world worked and that that influenced to these people to make the decision this is how i'm going to live my life and interestingly mm -hmm. and interestingly enough even though stoicism started third century bc in greece it never even caught on until third century ad in rome it was never a uh, a popular philosophy before that which i thought was interesting mm -hmm. just and like you said uh before maybe that uh stoicism rising in rome just before christianity rose up in rome was almost like a primer for those people that the stoic tenets sort of complemented their full change over to christianity mm -hmm. yeah and that that real transition which we'll, we'll probably get into more in i think the later part of the episode because it's a big deal right the the similarities between yeah. the stoic mindset and the christian mindset and i want to save that juicy little bit for later um mm. but let's talk about what the hell actually is stoicism i was kind of making a character caricature of it of like hyper discipline <laughs> uh and hyper almost robotic non-emotional behavior because yeah women love that um not that everything's about women relax okay this is this is the problem i'm gonna say anything about stoicism and because people are wholeheartedly eating it up just like veganism um they're gonna people are gonna lose their minds they're gonna go this guy's saying anything bad about stoicism it's like relax <laughs> you you gotta separate if you're getting mad about this you gotta separate yourself from an ideology yeah. you have if you're to. getting mad if you're getting mad that we say something bad about stoicism then you're not really a stoic are you <laughs> are you yeah like you're getting like you just got you just got like ruined on your home turf here if you are if you're not cool i hope you enjoy uh if you are still keep listening and i also hope you enjoy and you can kind of you know cool your cool your nutsack a little bit there but um, <laughs> anyways what the hell is stoicism what does it what is it um like you said it originated in ancient greece but didn't pick up until later in rome uh we'll talk yeah. about maybe why that happened a little bit later but so what is stoicism? What was it originally? Yeah, originally it was just a, a philosophy. Uh, essentially, they believed in nature, that they had a deterministic view, which means uh, everything was determined by cause and effect. So there was one primary cause, which is the creation of the universe, and everything else was an effect after that cause. So basically, that means that you have no free will. And uh, everything just kind of happens to you, which leads to the Stoic idea that you should just not oppose nature. Opposing nature is the worst thing you can do from a Stoic perspective. And they, uh, they believe that you shouldn't... You shouldn't be um, anything other than you were meant to be. So they don't really go into, like, how can you determine that? But, like, uh, Marcus Aurelius always said, you were made to do the work of a man. So 
get up and do the, the work of a man, right? Mm-hmm. Just as a, a honeybee does the work of a bee, a horse does the work of a horse, right? Mm-hmm. It would be it would be wrong to do anything else. Yeah, and what can so, a, what does a man do? What can a man do? And what can a woman do? What should a woman do? Et cetera, et cetera. And we go down that line. However, um, thinking that you can this is this is the funny part, I guess, about the ideology. If they thought everything was deterministic, however, you still had a choice about how you'd react to it. Doesn't that imply free will in some way? That's a little yes, that's a I little shaky does. in a sense. It's a little, it's not fully whole, right? But that's okay. That's, I think it does. I think the, yeah, the things that would happen to you are all predetermined, and the only but, thing you can control is your own body, and your yeah. own mind. So that's why they say, you just take things, take things in stride. Basically, you bad things happen you're okay with it because that is how it was meant to happen from nature if good things happen then that's how it was meant to happen from nature right because everything started from one one cause and everything is an effect of that initial cause Mm -hmm. however i will go into setting in the sense of determination okay well if you let's think about it if you go to a club if you go to a nightclub do you expect to read a book at a nightclub (laughs) probably not so deterministic yes however you can determine the setting and that's a major part of free will here which i think stoicism is almost like it does it does talk about right because it's like wake up when no one else is awake so you're less distracted okay that's good that makes sense right Mm -hmm. that's that's people can do that and that could improve their life yes um it's also saying get yourself in the right setting in order to do the things you need to do. Yeah. Like go to the gym in order to get jacked, go to a healthy food store or like the meat section and and vegetable section of a grocery store in order to get those things. Yes. That's determined. And you choose to go there. And that's, I think that's part of the whole stoicism thing. And in terms of them saying, yes, it's determined. However, you do have agency and in stoicism, well, what the hell's the point of using my agency? That's a good question for anyone, right? I have a certain amount of agency, regardless of determination. And what should I use it on, right? As Marcus Aurelius said, well, man should use it what a man can use it for. Okay, well, men clearly have a better ability of going to war. Okay, so I'll become a soldier, right? Obviously, we're talking about Roman times right now, but let's we'll talk about... We I, I really do want to talk about how this translates into modern stoicism. So yeah. back then, what does it mean? Be a farmer, till the land, go to war when you're not farming, right? Have a wife, have a child, right? Be the leader of the household. Okay, cool. These are the things a man would do in the Roman ages. However, here's the problem with that. And here's the problem with inherent natures, with, with uh, just believing things are deterministic necessarily, because your nature could tell you to do one thing that you probably shouldn't necessarily be doing. Because men can do a lot of things. And there's a lot of things men probably shouldn't do. Like murder someone in cold blood. But if I'm a Stoic in the Roman times. And I take it hyper literally. And this is why we're talking about the problem with it. And I'm like hmm. I don't like this person. I'm going to kill him. And because a man is good at killing and he can kill. Well why shouldn't I kill him? Right? (laughs) And And that's deterministic. Right? Oh my brain told me to do so. So I should do so. And. You know, what the hell's the problem with that inherently? It's almost like, it's kind of like uh, libertarianism, but on like 
a hyper epic of like, I know what's best for me and I should do it. And, and not that they're going to do anything, not that people are going to do anything bad, um, but they're just going to do it based on what they think uh, is, is in their nature, right? And that can lead down some very scary roads. So I think Stoicism probably had a little bit more to it originally in the, eth- in the ethic of it, but we don't know. Right, I don't, mm. I don't know if we necessarily know. So that that's one of the limitations of it. Well, if we're doing things according to our nature, and my nature is to be X, Y, Z, I'm going to continue doing that thing, and that may not be good. So, yeah. but that also will eventually lead to the Christianity question. Yeah. The, so since everything is according to nature and how it is, then you don't really have anything higher that determines whether things are good or bad. Everything is just neutral. So they had the same idea that um, is kind of prevalent with modern, modern liberalism that, you know, your mind is just a blank slate. Everything comes in via the senses and sensory information. Um, Nothing comes from a higher or a a metaphysical plane. Everything just comes in. And if it does, it doesn't matter because you only affect so much right um so it can be a sec like that's the thing stoicism can be a very secular viewpoint right which Mm -hmm. is probably why it gets superseded eventually but that's okay um we're going to get into it it's gonna be a lot more fun but i want to hold off for still for a little bit and and what is this so what does this mean for stoicism uh we have we have a question here that basically says does stoicism mean you can't feel or express any emotions? So this is where people, I think, get it wrong. You absolutely can and should express emotions to people when you need to convey things. If someone's doing something that's frustrating you and you've told them once and you've told them twice that it frustrates you, maybe it calls for a more stern tone, right? Rather than yelling right away like a maniac, you... <laughs> Tell them, no, I don't want you to do this. Stop doing this. No, I don't want you to do this. Stop doing this. You tell them a third time and, you know, maybe they do something that's that's invading your space, invading your boundaries. So you fucking clock them right in the jaw. You probably shouldn't do that. Um, <laughs> but like that's that's Would you not yeah, condone you need violence. To defend yourself. No, but if you need to defend yourself, you're not going to be like, oh, I'm stoic. I'm just going to take my beatings. And it's like, what? No, that's stupid. That's stupid as hell. You should if you literally if you literally interpreted it, that's what they would say you should do. It, well, yeah, kind of, yeah. <laughs> Potentially, yes. But, uh, it, it's this thing is up to interpretation at this point, right? In the sense of, oh, you should follow your nature. Well, probably not. Yeah, your no, I absolutely agree. Get back and uh, get beaten. That's not good. I don't think there's an ethic in that. In taking beatings, probably there's no ethic in that, really. So. You should feel emotions. Absolutely. The, the, I think the best takeaway from Stoicism, and especially in the modern day, is to, like you said, you take exactly what's happening, you essentially absorb it, you assess it, and then you go, hmm, what do I actually truly want to say in this situation? If this person's upsetting me, is it worth it to tell them? Am I going to gain anything out of it? Are they going to mm. gain anything out of it? What's the point of this, Right. Preventing yourself from lashing out, you know, that's a beautiful thing, right? This, the, the control of your emotion is a great thing. The suppression of your emotion is a horrible thing. 
That's what you don't want. That's the extremism of stoicism. Stoicism of I'm going to suppress my emotions, right? I'm going to hide them away. I'm not going to make them known to anyone, not even my closest friends, not even to my closest mm-hmm. confidants. That's a horrible, horrible thing that will not do you any good in the long run, right? Writing them out can be a great thing, right? And I know stoicism is a lot of journaling, expressing your thoughts and your feelings and your emotions yes. and your opinions such that you can control them a bit better. You can be more accurate with them. That's great. That's fantastic. But yeah, definitely useful practice, but it doesn't beat just talking to someone. It'll never beat it in terms of emotional Probably not, stuff. No. But in terms of knowledge and information, yeah, it might, it might be good to write it down because it might be more useful that way. But in terms of your emotions, you can't write down emotions and expect them to be conveyed the same way as if you were actually discussing them with someone about a you situation. You can always con- combine the two things and just write a letter to somebody. Yeah, exactly. Idea. That's a fantastic idea. And, and maybe have someone listen to it or read it out. Um, not even the person that you're necessarily upset with. Not even the person of that you're necessarily, uh, you know, at odds with and writing letters, mm-hmm. man, it's, that can be a little girly depending on what you're writing about writing. It about. Um, <laughs> I mean, I was meaning judging. you write I'm to your judging. friends, you write to your friends I and know, you I'm say like, these are my problems. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I, doesn't I, beat, honestly, I, it doesn't beat a man to man talk though. I would agree. It doesn't, doesn't. And if you need a little bit of, you know, Hey man, I need, I need to talk about something. Let's go for a drink. Like that's, there's no problem with that, dude. You should be doing yeah. that. You should have a friend who you can do that with. You should have multiple friends you can do that with, right? That's yeah, a good, that's, that's a great ethic. That's a great man that you can talk to, that you can have in your life. No homo, you know? Yeah. You like should be that guy for somebody too. Exactly, right? You got to be, be like you say, dude, you can lean on me uh, when you need help, right? And I'll lean on you, et cetera, like when I need it, right? And not not abuse that either. Um, because like, this is, that's the, maybe the opposite side of like being hyper emotional. Well, you know, there's, there's certain things you can go, I can let this go. And I think that's another good part of stoicism. The idea of like, okay, I'm in control of my, my situation. There's things I can let go. I'll write it down. and I'll let it go. It's not a big deal. Um, little things that may have pissed you off. It's not a big deal, especially to, to other dudes, right? Like it doesn't matter that mm-hmm. much that they, they may not get anything out of it. Um, but I think stoicism can be useful in the sense of like setting boundaries for yourself and others. If someone really does something you don't like, you can express that in a calm and neutral way. You can express, excuse me, you can express why you don't like it. And then if they, if they refuse to change or they refuse to try to accommodate for a thing, that's reasonable. Obviously we're not talking about unreasonable things. Um, then, you know, you can kind of say you can have that control. You can have that value because stoicism comes from the inherent value that you are worth something and you should do something about that value. You shouldn't let it sit still, right? You should reach that potential that you could reach, that you should you should attempt to at least, right? Yeah. And if you believe that, if you truly believe that, you'll say, well, I don't necessarily need this person in my life. If they're really doing things that are completely intolerable to you. And I think this counts for not only relationships, it counts for friendships, it counts for potentially very difficult family members. Like, not that I'd like splitting up families. I, I hate that. I hate that modernism essentially splits up families. However, hmm. there can be a reason to say, I'm going to distance myself a little bit. 
not cutting myself yeah. off, just distance. Just a little bit of distance because they're doing distance things that are is, intolerable to me. Distance is good sometimes, especially like when you're talking about emotion. Mm-hmm. If you react instantly, it's going to be purely emotional. But the difference between that and just a, uh, a calm reaction could just be five seconds even, like taking five seconds mm-hmm. to think about it, right? Just a little bit of distance created by that time totally changes how you're going to react. So if you just get into a habit of building a little bit of time from the, the moment when you feel the emotion to the moment when you react to the emotion, mm-hmm. then you can co- completely change your reaction. And you'll notice really good speakers who speak on the fly, who want, who take really like a, they, the words are very important to them, right? They want to be very accurate and direct with their words. They don't want to mess around. They don't want to beat around the bush. They'll take time to answer questions that may be difficult to them. And you'll mm-hmm. notice that. And you can even say, just give me, give me a second to answer that, right? You can even say that. There's no shame in that, especially when you need, like, we need all the practice you can yeah. get, especially if you're a young guy and you just came off of being a teenager. And it's like, well, of course, you're going to be a little bit more impulsive when you're a teenager, but now you're getting mm-hmm. older, you're in your 20s. Okay, well, maybe it's time I start thinking a little bit more before I say stuff, right? I want to really be accurate with my words. I think that that's important to me to really tell people exactly what I think uh, in, a, in a good an eloquent way, like so the, like in a way that people will actually enjoy even listening to. That's yeah, great. True. And and the fact is, when you know exactly what you want to say, you'll use even less words half the time. Because there's no filler. There's no nonsense. Mm-hmm. I find myself yeah, having exactly. that problem. If you... Yeah, take like a time. Speak. Take time to answer a question. <laughs> yeah, you do like to speak, which is good because we're doing a podcast. <laughs> the whole point is to speak, right? Um, <laughs> what's the thing? Yeah, just a, a a little pause before you you react to something, and then you still have the emotion, but you've ran it through an analysis first, and now you can. Like, is this really the way I want to react? Because sometimes the emotion changes within those five seconds and it's not even the same same thing anymore. And then you can you can often regret a rash decision made emotionally. Yeah, especially and when, assessment when it, and reassessment one thing, of that, right? When, uh, like sleeping on it is a big deal. You should sleep on it if you're stoic. Yeah, a lot of people say, well, it's like we talked about before, previous episodes, the subconscious keeps working it, right, behind the scenes. So taking your time and not focusing is actually a different form of focusing on the same thing. Yeah, in a weird way. It's like passive focus rather than active focus. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, emotional control, one of the... the, Mm -hmm. I would say the main benefit of stoicism because, you know, as a man, what's the role of a man emotionally? He's supposed to be calm. Like we even say he's supposed to be stoic when Mm. you have a, uh, a family, all members of that family are going to be looking to the man In, in any times, hard times, happy times, the man's reaction and the man's emotion sort of sets the course for the entire family 
Yeah, you do set um, the tone. I I believe uh, whether you leave, even if you're even if the the woman or the mother is more uh, dominant, uh, I do believe the the male sets that tone right in in the family. The father sets that tone. Yeah, and they're looked to by the children, right? Because it's just a natural thing. I think yeah, exactly look look to a, look up to a man. Usually, men are just bigger, so they're physically looking up more, right? Mm-hmm. To to the father generally, and fathers set the tone. If a father is emotionally unstable, well, good luck with the children. They're <laughs> going to likely be emotionally unstable too. If the Definitely. father is hyper unemotional, right? To stone cold. Well, that's not good either because then suppression occurs, right? I'm sure it's suppression in that up suppression in that man too. But mm-hmm. the man who can take his time and still answer and still be direct and still say, "Well, this 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 really pissed me off." He doesn't have to yell. He just says, "Well, this really pissed me off." Um and so he'll tell you how it is. That can be a bit a much better example, I think. Mm. Expect, except when in immediacy, when things need to be done right away, then it requires a bit more, a bit less tact and a bit more uh, action. And that's why you need to practice because yeah. in those times where you can think slowly, you should. And when you can't, the times that you have practiced thinking slowly will assist in when you need to think fast. Yeah, that's when instinct takes over. Practice mm-hmm. develops your instinct. And in those situations, it just sort of snaps into place. Yeah, it's like muscle memory for your brain. Essentially. Yeah, true. Yeah, basically that's exactly what it is. So Yeah, that's what Yeah, one thing people understand um is that your your family, your woman, children, they look to to men to be a rock emotionally and the unchanging. Rock. This yeah, the uh, the solid foundation. They they look to you to be based and mm-hmm. based meaning you have a solid base which you're standing on to be a foundation <laughs> yeah that's what i mean <laughs> so be based be a rock um and emotionally have control over your emotions so that you can be be the man of the family is what i'm trying to tell you yeah exactly and that uh that's a little divergent from stoicism, but who cares? Uh, this mainly applies to I mean, men because men seem to be the ones self-improving. Generally, I'm sure women do as well. Uh, for the men, women, the nature stoics, of men, yeah, the nature of men is more often described as stoic. You don't you normally yes. decide, describe women as being stoic. I'm sure yes, women because, pr- try to practice it though. Yeah, I'm sure a lot have, and maybe a lot have actually succeeded with it because I'm sure it helps. Um, but I will say for men. The top, like the idea of like stoicism as in being stone cold all the time, that is not good. That is horrible. If you only see stone cold suppression of emotions, that's boring. That's not human. That's robotic. You need to have some emotion. You need to have some energy, right? You can be stoic and be an extrovert and, and exciting and eccentric and be a loud speaker, you can be because your nature yeah. is more of that way, right? But what what'll happen is it's more specific. Right? Like I said, you'll be more accurate in your words. You you may choose to just be less impulsive. You'll still be yourself, right? You'll still be have that personality, but you'll just take your time with it a bit more maybe. You're almost like you 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 
Think of it like this. Every single sentence that comes out of your mouth, you should swirl it around in your brain and take a sniff like it's a glass of wine. Is this mm. good? You might put it up to your ear because that's a professional <laughs> tactic. You put it up to your ear and goes, does this sound good? You swish it around. Take a whip. Hmm, that smells like shit. I'm not going to oh. drink this. You pour yeah. out the glass and you grab another one. You pour that one. Okay, this smells a bit better. And that's, if you think fast, obviously that, that process is going to occur within, you know, five to 10 seconds minimum. But even if you need like 20 seconds, take that 20 seconds, especially if it's a difficult question of a difficult thing you haven't thought about before. Really take your time. Mm-hmm. And don't be afraid to say, hmm. I'm curious about this thing, but I actually don't know as much as I'd like to. Maybe I'll save that for later. That's a beautiful part of stoicism too, is the learning aspect, is the humility aspect. And this also ties into Christianity, which we will also definitely get into. But mm-hmm. my main idea is do not repress your, your personality. Do not repress your emotions just because you want to be more stoic. Yes, you should be more disciplined if that's what you so choose to do. Yes, you should eliminate your laziness if you possibly can, but do not eliminate the idea of you needing to be a person with emotions because that's human. You need that. Mm-hmm. It's it's actually desired, right? No one likes to see a no one likes a robot. Really, no one does. They like smart people. They like calculating people. Um, yeah. Even mysterious a little bit and maybe a little bit cold, but and distant, but not completely that thing not completely cut off right do you like do you want you want depth to yourself you don't want to just follow blindly things that may or may not improve your life if you had a losing strategy and it helped you a little bit that's good pick it up and move forward with it and adopt yourself uh adopt it to you rather than adopting yourself to it stoicism is not a personality it's a philosophy (laughs) it's an idea you can't absorb it as if it's it's you because you, one, you didn't come up with it. You're an idiot, right? You're an average <laughs> dude. You're an average modern dude. You're not Marcus Aurelius, bro. You're not the Stoic. You you could be a Chad, but you're not like a. You're not the Stoic. You just you heard it, you liked it, and you followed it. Cool. Move on, bro. The biggest part, the biggest problem with self improvement culture in general is like self improvement ends up becoming a personality rather than just being like, oh, this is what I actually like and enjoy doing. And to call it self-improvement is like, oh, I'm actually becoming better. And that therefore I can uh, now be arrogant and be like, I'm actually better than people. I'm better than X, Y, Z. And again, there's a humility. There's a humility. It's why are you improving? You, you asshole. Why, why did you start improving? If you were so great, cool your jets, bro. It's fine. Yeah. We all started somewhere and it doesn't stop. This is the thing. It doesn't stop. We lose when we think self-improvement stops anywhere. That's why I don't even I don't even like calling it that anymore. I hate it. It's so niche, right? I, I understand mm-hmm. it applies to a, like a, a type of thinking, but like, what about just being better? What about just being better? Just be like just becoming be rather than being, right? Oh, I'm on a journey of self-improvement. Shut the fuck up, <laughs> <laughs> bro. You sound like a you sound like a bitch. I don't know what to tell you. You literally sound like a bitch, dude. Just be, just I'm be, on a journey. Just be becoming. That's it. You're on a journey. It doesn't stop. Hopefully you improve along the way. Hopefully you do things that improve. You say, Hmm, I'm going to look up things that I, that I like and that I'm going to be better at because I want to do them because I have inherent value. That's cool. 
that makes you that gives you depth that gives you personality saying oh i'm 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 following stoicism because it's like this super cool trend on self improvement tiktok it's like what what's wrong with you does that make a man just following trends really nah man <laughs> no that doesn't True. make a man i'd rather if everyone's a stoic i'd rather just be myself whether that's stoic or not i don't care right mm -hmm. oh oh you you we we talked about this earlier but you mentioned the fact that in 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 pre-stoicism times men would try to have more aggressive hot-headed like pissing contests essentially uh versus yeah. when stoicism came out they tried to be more cool-headed yeah well that's the early roman empire and mm -hmm. if you want we can get uh and get into that now yeah. uh there's a lot of uh <clears throat> interesting similarities with the the way the roman empire moved through these phases and with how we move through these phases in the modern era um so basically i'll just set the set the scene the early roman republic was very um regimented it was strong they had they really believed in their values. It was an honor-based society, which means that they focused on the group, how they fit into the honor group, which was their their peers. So the way men interacted with one another in the early Republic was everything was a pissing contest. Everything was a way to prove your honor. And there was certain things that made something a, worthy of a contest you had to be relatively equal with the person you had to know them already and you had to be you know in a group that was striving for the same thing in order to compete with them and the reason so like for a, that is a soldier's platoon for example right yeah you can take a, a, a group of soldiers for example they're constantly competing with each other but they're all working towards the same goal in the end. So the reason for the competition is to determine who is the best man at various things so that when they have a outside threat, they can easily fall into a hierarchy that is as strong as it possibly can be to face that outside threat because they've already competed with each other. So who's the strongest? Who's the fastest? Mm -hmm. You know, who's the best uh, spear thrower? So it's like if we if, if we as a group face a competition and we have to throw a spear, we know which guy we're going to pick because within our group we've already had a spear throwing competition and we know who's the best, right? It's it's Gaius over there. He's the best. Gaius. So <laughs> Gaius Julius Caesar. Yeah, Thelonious is the wrestler, right? So we're going to put him on close quarters yeah, combat duty. He'll be exactly. in the trench. He won't rush the front line. It'll be the defense if someone comes in, right? This is how you – but this is why – and now, you, and then you think of, oh, well, the context of the Olympics. What the hell did that come from? I guarantee you it was something similar to that, right? The ethic of we need to create a dominance hierarchy and a value hierarchy such that we mm -hmm. can apply the right person to the right activity when the time to defend comes. Yeah, this and is why – and, and Sorry, in, modern ahead, times, in modern times, you know, there's no real wars to fight. So what do we watch? Sports, mm. right? What do we, like, there's no gladiators. What do we watch? UFC, 
instead. We watch things that have a dominance hierarchy. When you when you watch hockey, I'll give you a Canadian example. When you watch hockey, you know who the best player is on the ice right away. You see them. They're first line already, so their value's been determined, been determined not only by the players, but by the coaches, by the GM, etc. The first string, right? That's the best player on the ice. They're always on at the same time. Why? Because they have the highest chance of scoring. So they put them on first. However, they know that the defense may be the best on the second line or the third line. So that may get paired up against them. So already you see this, this ethic of which soldier is best for which situation apply constantly in modern day, but obviously it's not addressed because, well, who the hell cares? Who the hell wants to think mm. about that stuff? But we have to think about that stuff, right? Yeah, because guess what? The hockey coaches think about that stuff, whether they, they don't describe it in the same way we're describing it today, but it's the same principle. And that's why principles are so damn important because they're absolutes that transfer over through centuries, through millennia, through all of time. Like a dominance hierarchy doesn't change. It just exists and it will exist whether you try to make it happen or not. And yeah, that's when, whenever problem. men, whenever men learn about this, it's just like, it's intuitive. They're go, yeah, yeah, I already knew that. Even if you never heard about it before, you already knew. Yeah, it. that's, it's just like, that's what men do. We just know. Who's the leader? It's every Who's time. The leader? Who can I trust? Yeah. What does that come exactly. from? What makes a good leader? Reliability. That's good. Flexibility, versatility, delegation. That makes, that's what makes a good leader. And that happens right away. You play any mm-hmm. team sport. You know who's going to be a leader right away. And sometimes there isn't yeah. one. And you know that too. And mm-hmm. those groups tend to fall apart. That's why there's always a team captain. There's always a team yeah, captain. Exactly. You're right. It takes less than less than a minute for a group of men to decide who's, the, who's going to be the leader. If it's, they understand how it works. Yeah, it's, it's subconscious. It's entirely... Yeah, so I'll get back to basically the Romans, early Rome... The Republic was a highly virtuous, highly strong society where the men were constantly in competition with each other, constantly trying to prove they were honor, honorable. And uh, this comes back to that opening quote that uh, we started with, the desire for honor and glory sets men on fire. So the, the Roman motif of honor and manliness was fire right we think of fire as someone with passion like they have a fire in them they have drive you know and that's really emotional so if someone slighted your honor you would get emotional and you would challenge him it's primal this is interesting today you see it today when you know you go to especially when you're drunk you know like i said go to a club Mm -hmm. you're not going to read a book but you might see a fight why because now men are drunk. Now they're primal. Now they, they want to challenge, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. They're in front of women. Their testosterone's increased. It's awesome. There's an adrenaline Absolutely. Rush. It probably feels great. Well, if you if you win, you might get kicked out, but who the fuck cares, right? Mm-hmm. That's, you're going to remember that for the rest of your life, essentially. Um, but that's but this, I know I'll tie this into why stoicism is so important after, but let's just keep talking about the, the male ethic of dominance and competition why it's so important and that's why men need competition in order to succeed so stoicism is Mm -hmm. fantastic but on its own it's useless because you almost need to compete stoically with other men how cool can we stay in certain situations (laughs) right yeah that almost kind of makes it happen but that's not necessarily good 
because you don't so, want to be yeah. the, you don't want to be the coolest one in the room because then you might be slow then you might be weak right like mm. literally not actually because let's say this is what i'll tie it into in terms of modern stoicism okay you have been training mma which is mixed martial arts you've been training jujitsu you've been training muay thai you've been training wrestling you've been training boxing those are some popular ones kickboxing those are just some popular ones you are a pro you could beat the crap out of basically the average the like the above average person you could beat the absolute crap out of them but you know you have this power are you really going to use it on the average person are you really going to waste the talent or are you going to use something else to kind of curb like a stupid bar fight? Are you going to do something else, something smarter, something with less consequences, something more beneficial to you and another person? You're probably going to choose that second option. So those situations, when it's emotions are high, phenomenal to be stoic. When everyone's grieving at a funeral, no one's saying you can't cry, but you're able to compose yourself enough to say, you know, I'm going to say this eulogy and then I can break down after. That's cool. But mm. I'm going to say the eulogy for my father. I'm going to be the one to do that. I'm going to be the one prepared emotionally to do that. It's going to be sad. Hell yeah. But like I, this is a Jordan Peterson example, but he hits the nail on the head every time. I can't. Why? Why use different examples when he is the best one? You want to be the <laughs> most reliable guy at your father's funeral. You want to. That's be one that of my guy. goals. And it's a sad reality, but it's going to happen. You are very likely going to outlive your parents. Expect it. It mm -hmm. sucks. It's reality. No one's saying you can't be emotional about it. If anything, you should. Those are the people that raised you. Even if you hate them, they raised you. So, or they at least birthed you. Maybe not raised you, but they at least birthed you. So, you got to be prepared for whatever will come. It's gonna happen. The sooner you comes to the sooner you come to grips with the ability to handle it, not the actual thing, because mortality is a very difficult concept. And I'm sure we will have an episode on death, um, mm -hmm. and other yeah, cultures' ideas of death and and funerals and rituals and stuff. We'll definitely have an episode of that because I have a lot to talk about death. But you want to be that guy, man. You want to be that guy. You want to be that guy who's like, yeah, I was able to, you know, be at his deathbed. Right. I was able to have that flexibility in my life to do that. And I, had a, I kept that good enough relationship to do that. And now I can and now I can plan the funeral as sad as it is. I can help plan it and make it easier for other people. What's reliability if not to make life easier for other people? What's service? What is manliness? What's the ultimate ethic of manliness? Is it not servitude? Is it not using what you have to, to help others? If that's not it, I don't know what it is. And this, I think, is a good time to jump into how stoicism relates to christianity hmm. the ethic of service so let's hop into it all right i think we'll so, talk about the, the setting first right so how did stoicism i do want to go back to the uh, the roman because i got i have some more yes. historical analysis there but Absolutely. i would do that after because i can tie it in with the Romans becoming Christian mm -hmm. in the later centuries. So, yeah, it's, there's different similarities, but also I think there's more differences between Christianity and Stoicism than there is similarities. But like we mentioned earlier, 
could have been something that primed people for Christianity because, for one, they both call you to live according to nature and purpose, right? And discipline. The difference itself. being, Not yeah, the difference. But discipline and servitude, in a sense. Mm -hmm. the, the one being according to nature, the other according to God, right? Mm -hmm. But obviously, God created nature, so it's it's a very similar um, translates to a very similar way of life. Mm -hmm. In a sense, yes, it can. Yeah. In a sense, and the idea of priming uh, the population, Stoicism helped to prime the population for Christianity. So, why was Stoicism introduced? Uh, and popularized in, what did you say, 300 AD Rome? Why did that occur? Do we know why that occurred? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so historical analysis, if you go back to what I was saying, the, the Republic, everyone had a, a, a passion, a fire. As Rome grew, the empire sort of sprawled out. And um, in the later years, or I said you had to be equals and you had to be on the same team in order for the honor groups to work. Well, whatever the empire became so big and so diverse, people didn't feel like they were equal and they didn't feel like they uh, were on the same team, right? Because you got Romans in, in Gaul and you've got Romans in Syria. They didn't really feel like they were all Romans then when they were all just living in the same city. So this is when Stoicism becomes more popular because Stoicism is a an inward-looking philosophy. When they felt like they had less control over the world as the empire began to decline, they focused on only controlling what they could control, which was themselves, their own emotions, their own bodies. Mm -hmm. So Stoicism becomes popular at that time. And it, very interesting to me is the parallel that the only other time in history when stoicism got popular was the last few decades in self-improvement culture stoicism becomes it's this big revival and everyone's talking about so stoicism again and it's almost like the the roman empire started out with honor and passion and became stoic and then you look at the medieval era and you have chivalry and romanticism and people mm -hmm. are fighting for something again. They're fighting for their their tribe, and they're they have this emotional drive to them. And then you you move into the modern era, and it's almost like the same type of decline. People start looking inward again, and go back to stoicism. Go back to they can't control their lives, so they just focus on controlling themselves instead. Yeah, so I think that's a that's a good that's a good relation to modern stoicism. Let's say is the mm -hmm. idea of so many things are out of control. Think about social media. Think about algorithms. Right, you don't even know what's coming in your feed. It doesn't matter who you're following. You might get shown new things. Um, in terms of the in terms of the uh, virus, let's say you know the uncertainty of life because of this, and the idea that you cannot control all these different things that's happening that the government may be doing or that people around you may be doing the paranoia that people are experiencing and and stoicism to be like i don't need to be paranoid mm -hmm. i can know i can know this thing 
We have enough information on this thing. I don't need to be paranoid. I can be a, I can help people. I can be a voice for them to say, well, calm down. You know, you don't have to get in such a twist about this. You can just understand it and that'll help you to stay calm, right? And knowledge is power in stoicism, of course, as knowledge is, is power and everything. But uh, I think that difference with the stoic knowledge and the Christian knowledge is obviously the idea of faith, right? Because mm-hmm. you can't be faithful in an ideology, essentially. Because the ideology will always fail, right? The, the ideology could fall apart, potentially. And, and you don't have to hold on to the ideal, ideology, right? You don't. However... Something like faith, something like belief, something like uh, the idea of a higher power, something like hope, hope that comes from outside of yourself that you know mm-hmm. will come through no matter how difficult your life gets. Now that beats stoicism right out of the water very clearly. And that's and you see the rise of more traditional Christian uh, people today because they say, hey, yeah, wait a do. minute, how the hell did how the hell did this get? How the hell was this so popular when it first started? How did a whole empire become Christian? What mm-hmm. what happened? So stoicism being potentially the primer for people understanding being calm and cool and collected and trying not to do things that are out of character and out of whack and may cause problems. And then you couple that with the idea of Christianity, self-sacrifice, servitude, right? People can get behind that. They're already being self-disciplined. So why not be self-disciplined for the sake of other people, for the sake of the people you care about? Soldiers understood this, right? They're already doing it, essentially. But now they can do Mm -hmm. it on a personal level, not just the level of a nation, right? Not just the level of the group of people that they surround themselves with. Now, this permeates to the core of a society, right? It's national, it's local, it's it's macro, it's micro, it's everywhere, right? It's, It's totally through and through inside a culture, right? It changes it to its very core. And one, uh, one thing that's interesting to note is um, I do know that in the Roman Empire, Stoicism was a lot more popular among the upper class. And uh, Christianity started among the lower classes and worked its way up until you have Constantine, the first Christian emperor. So... That right there, I think, kind of just exclaims how they, sorry, explains mm-hmm. the uh, a, a key contrast between the two. The the way you focus on self sacrifice when you have nothing, when you versus when you have everything, is uh, a difference. It's a different, yeah, it's a different mindset. Marcus Aurelius was literally the emperor. He was the the most powerful person in the world. And he was a Stoic, and he practiced Stoicism and whatnot. But under his his rule, there was thousands and thousands of Christian subjects, but they were all in the lower class. They all lived up to the the Christian uh, virtue of poverty, right? Well, they didn't try to, I'm sure, but um, <laughs> like they didn't try to be impoverished, but they, they, you know, maybe were able to cope with that better and understand it better and say, okay, I, I know I'm in this situation now, but there's hope for me, right? I can handle this, right? God's mm-hmm. got my back. He's watching me. He sent his only son for me. That's a big deal, right? That shows that's self-sacrifice, right? Of, of an external thing that helps you to, 
to sacrifice yourself a little bit for for ex- as well external things from yourself from things that mm-hmm. you may need and that you may want and you know rather than the i don't know what could be an example but like uh, rather than a man saying oh he needs to be fed in order to make money well no he actually gives up his food so his children can eat right that may have changed stoics may not have done that they may not have had to do that it's a lot easier to be stoic when things aren't that difficult right when your life isn't that complicated well yeah you can kind of focus on it but when you have too much shit going on you probably never even heard of stoicism but you definitely are appreciate yeah i think that's that's one parallel people today who get into it today we have obviously very easy lives relatively and stoicism could be a bigger movement now because of that and back then it was only sort of the upper class who were they had abundance but they didn't have real power because only the emperor had real power and you go back to the republican times in rome the nobility had a lot more power because there wasn't one central leader in charge it was sort of lots of little people that were you know wealthy and and powerful in different ways they could be more determined deterministic of their own destiny versus Mm -hmm. the empire there's there's one guy in charge and you know you may still be rich but you don't have power so what do you focus on you focus on yourself you focus on you know some greek philosophy that you've read from 500 years previous and you make that your your whole worldview versus if you're a poor christian in the roman empire you know you're called to sacrifice and suffer and you it becomes more powerful because you know that what you're doing is is pleasing god it's worthwhile and that's right? yeah that's why you you see christianity rise up and become the religion of the empire eventually well think about it like this it's probably hard to see that you have value when you're poor versus when you're mm-hmm. rich oh you definitely have value because you have something to lose when you're poor you don't have as much to lose so you have less True. value so where do you get it from where do you where does it come from it almost has to come from outside yourself and even yeah. the littlest the, the the least uh important person can become uh the most important right the like you know in the in the parable you know the least of you will be the greatest and the greatest of you will be the least right mm. those who humble who can humble themselves right those are the ones who who will inherit the kingdom essentially and that's uh yeah very difficult thing to do it's probably much harder if you're rich right the camel through the eye of the needle it's very difficult when you're um rich and i say rich but we really mean unwilling to part with things Mm. unwilling to let go and realize that this money or whatever you have is not the most important thing on the planet the fame that you have uh the perceived honor that you have it's important but it's not nearly the most important thing and you have to be able to let that go for the things that are more important. Mm-hmm. That's what that really means. Yeah, it's interesting. The uh, the Stoics did believe that only the only thing that was real was sensory information. I think this is one of the main limitations that they had no mm-hmm. concept of the metaphysical, which is central in Christianity. It's it's more oh. real than than your senses, and we know that today, like senses can lie you you can have a you can hear things that aren't there you can see things that aren't there maybe if you're schizo 
That's not what I mean. I mean, <laughs> I mean like, uh, I don't know. You know what I mean. You can't yeah, have. Yeah, uh, you can't there's have so many a, things uh, in your ear, right? There's so many things. Uh, there's so many things that affect you. So many factors. So many different. Yeah, different there's so many things outside of your your main five senses that yeah. influence you. And it's hard to keep keep kind of a hold on them, and that's why, like we said, stoicism. You can see it rise in today in today's day and age. Yeah, and become almost surprisingly popular. Yeah, very, very popular, especially, yeah, especially among the self-improvement community, because I'm, I'm assuming that, you know, a lot of them, I'm sure, did not have a very good uh, church life necessarily, and their parents didn't care about it as mm -hmm. much, because why would they when they have everything, right? When you have everything, what do you really need anymore? So I think that's a big deal. And, you know, even talking about, like, historically stoicism and the idea of, like, letting things go as they are, right, kind of letting them almost not reacting too much and that's a very buddhist approach as well mm -hmm. right you're looking at the idea of like oh this is just nature and you don't know how it's going to turn out right it's not determined by you but what you, you you can control is your desires so you have to relinquish your desires in order to accept all things essentially which is a bit different than socialism but it's the same principle of like things outside there are things that are outside of my control i should let go essentially mm -hmm. stoicism is more like how can i use it to my advantage buddhism is more like how can I actually just go with the flow? And I think that's more in line with like Taoism and ancient uh, Chinese, ancient uh, Asian um, philosophies, right? But it's a similar principle, right? And and it's interesting how they view that in that sense. And the, the West, right? The Greeks and the Romans viewed it in terms of uh, beneficity. But Christianity kind of breaks that. And it's like, actually, no, it's not about what benefits you. It's about what, what benefits others. And sometimes mm. things benef that benefit you do benefit others, right? Like you having clean drinking water. Well, that's good because that means you can function. And when you can function, you're able to help other people. If you can't function, good luck helping other people, right? So there yeah. has to be this care of the self beyond desire that can help to care for others. But then once you have all those needs met, now this is where the self-sacrifice can come in. Now this is where Christianity mm -hmm. really beats out stoicism, I think. Is the self-sacrifice. It's the, I'm not going to be good for me. No, no, no. I'm going to be good for other people. Because how much better is that? How much, e almost easier is that, in a sense? To, to a lot of people, it's easier. Yeah. To some people, it's harder, right? Because they have so much and they have so much to lose. But That's one, uh, one good benefit of Stoicism, I should mention, is since they, they believe the only thing you really have is your own body, they do... Mm -hmm advocate for taking care of the body eating healthy exercise things like that but what, one thing you should also keep in mind from the, the christian perspective is to also take care of the soul mm -hmm. right feed the soul cleanse the soul praying you know not just um, exercise and eating healthy for the body and not gorging yourself not eating things that are bad for you mm -hmm. Since your body is is your property, but from the Christian perspective, since it takes that stoicism, which is purely in the the five senses realm, and raises it higher to the the metaphysical realm, you should also take care of the soul. Absolutely. 
I think it's a very important thing. You have to take care of the mind, you have to take care of the body, and you have to take care of the soul. So Stoicism said mind and body, cool, that's great. And this the soul. And Christianity mm-hmm. kind of essentially completed it. Right? Right on the nose, yeah. and hit it. This is what you're missing. This is what I'm giving to you. With yeah, the hammer. absolutely. Because the soul is, man, that's a big... If it's real, which I believe it is, and I think it is, I think. Oh yeah, it's real. A lot of evidence for that. Well, then you gotta you gotta respect it. You gotta under, try to understand it. You gotta treat it well. I right? think you gotta, um, you gotta take care of it. And hold on C.S. It. Lewis says said, uh, "You're not a body with a soul. You're a soul with a body." Mm. It's interesting, and I think a better way to think of it. Yeah. Exactly. The body's just a temporary temple, and although it should be taken care of, that's for the sake mm-hmm. of the soul, right? That's for the sake of the housing of the soul. That's essentially yeah. why a body should be taken care of from the Christian perspective, right? I think there's a saying that goes like, uh, take care of your body as if uh, you'll live forever and take care of your soul as if you'll die tomorrow. Mm, so that's Yeah, that's good. And I like that one. I think that's a good place to, to end it off there, man. I think so, man. So. It's not what enters the mouth that defiles the person, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles the person. Matthew 15, 11. <laughs>